0: We're live. Oh, God. This is like old times, but new times
1: now. Yeah.
0: From New York. We're live from New York, and it's Sunday Live night. from New
1: York. It's Sunday night.
0: Sunday night live would be a very much, much, much um, calmer show. I mean, I think they'd have, like, little, uh, you know, there'd be bits of news, kind of like a 60 Minutes thing. They,
1: they have that. It, it's called 60 wait, Minutes. Wait, wait,
0: wait. Just let me finish. There'd be, like, a musical performance, but, like, a nice one, you know? Uh-huh.
1: They, they have that. It's called PBS. And then they would have, like,
0: a cultural thing where, like, you'd see, you know, like, something about how to cook a meal or something for the next week. Uh-huh. And, then like, they could show you pictures of art. Uh,
1: Richard, do you think we live in Canada? That's not where I make my home. Hey? So, hey, everyone. Hi. I'm Eric. I'm Richard. And we're not doing that. Oh, we're this not? This is a much more casual show. We're just kind of going with things. We're seeing what's Sup, happening. Sup, brah, it's rich! Yeah. So That could uh, be like
0: my intro thing. Sup, brah, it's rich. You could do that, sure. I could do that. That would work fine. I call guys at work bro, and because they don't know me from, you know, before, they say nothing weird with it. Like, they think that's just how I talk. It's great.
1: Yeah. So, uh, this is a new show from the creators of Cartridge Blowers, which you may or may not know. Uh, you probably don't. So, good for you. you
0: probably made, they do, though, because that's, we're gonna send this to the same
1: list. Of you, you made wise life choices in not knowing what Cartridge Blowers is. Yeah. Um, and if you do know what Cartridge Blowers is and you listen to it, then, um... Welcome back to hearing us talk. I don't know why you came back, but we love you for it. I never said that I didn't love them.
0: No. But you know, there's a lot of weird things they Don't you try love. and bogart our love, Richard. <laughs> bogart. I do love Bogart, you know. He's great in that Casablanca movie. Yeah, he was. Interesting fact. You know the film Barb Wire starring Pamela Anderson? Unfortunately, it's a remake of Casablanca.
1: Yeah, you've told me this before, but I haven't told the listeners this, and we're supposed to like be doing a bit. So uh, Richard and I decided that we missed doing a podcast, and I'm a, a big—I'll I'll just say this right out: I'm a big Trekkie, I'm not ashamed to admit it. Richard, never really seen Star Trek. Here and there, I
0: saw a couple. Of, I saw a few episodes of Next Generation in the last season, and a couple of the first se- first series episodes.
1: Yeah, the Tribbles one. But you don't really know anything about Star Trek. I know that there's tribbles. You know that there's tribbles. We'll get to that later. I can't wait till tribbles. (laughs) Much, much later. Okay. Uh, That's the second season, I believe. I'm not as well versed in the original series, which is one of the reasons why I'm enjoying doing this. Yeah. So we thought that a really fun thing for us to do, (laughs) uh, perhaps not for you out there listening to this. I really don't care. Uh, would be for us to watch Star Trek and record podcasts about our reactions to it.
0: And when he first said Star Trek, I figured, okay, what'll this be like? A month and, you know, we'll be done watching it, you know, and I'll just talk a bit, you know. Apparently years. there's like 3,000 episodes yeah. of all of it.
1: I calculated it out. If we watch one episode a week, 14 wait, wait, years. wait. wait, wait, wait.
0: If your calculations are correct, you have to start it like that.
1: If my calculations are correct, Captain.
0: Yeah, because you're supposed to be like, you know, Mr. Spock.
1: Yeah. Am I? Yeah, you know, when he does, like, the calculations. Isn't he always doing the calculations? See, I always thought of myself as more of a Uhura type. Yeah. I gotta be honest with you, yeah. Oh, you're definitely Spock. Oh, That's unfortunate. I am obviously Chekhov. Uh, uh, Sure. (laughs) Why not? I always thought you were maybe more like Yeoman Rand, but... You know, you I, haven't seen her yet. Like Ayn Rand? Yes, actually. Uh, Ayn Rand had a regular guest spot on Star Trek, the original series. Little in fact, she was really bad, not very good, I'm going to say. Uh, the Russian accent kind of held her back. But that's where they got the idea for the character of Chekhov, because Chekhov does not enter the show until the second season. Oh, I knew that. Right. So I thought they just put him up to you know get the kiddies watching. They did, yeah, that's true.
0: Anyway, so what is this show going to be then? That's it. Be-
1: that's it. We're going to watch Star Trek cartridge blowers, but with Star Trek, the, the fairly accurate, yeah,
0: Startridge blowers.
1: Yeah, we don't have a name, so this is the as yet unnamed show. Um, we're still trying to figure that out. You don't like Startridge? I'm completely ignoring everything you're saying to me right now. Okay, that's probably for the best. It. How long have I known you? This is how band dis- name
0: discussions usually go. I say things and they just want to talk That's about it. That's how your life usually goes, Richard. Yeah, I, I, I've spent a very powerless th- 20- 30 years on
1: this earth. Yeah. So we don't really have a schedule for this. Well, it's going to come out once a week. We'll say that. we're going. To, I'm, I'm going to be very committed to this. It's going okay. to come out once a week. Uh, we don't know how many episodes a week we'll talk about. We don't know how long we're going to be doing this. We don't know anything, really, except that we're going to be sitting down once a week to talk about a Star Trek episode that both of us watched during the preceding week. This means I have to watch Star Trek now. That's true. Luckily, they're all on Netflix. Really? So that our
0: loyal listeners can follow along
1: at home? Yes. So if you get a, what is it, $8 a month? a streaming subscription to Netflix, then you can follow along with us and watch Star Trek. The nice thing is uh, we're starting with Star Trek, the original series. And the episodes we're talking about this week were actually, the idea I had was to start with the first and second pilots. So those of you who actually like Star Trek (laughs) would know that the show had two pilots. first one is called The Cage. The second one, Where No Man Has Gone Before. So I thought that would be a fun way to start the show, to get Richard interested in it, you know, just kind of see the differences, see how the show evolved, et cetera, et cetera.
0: Okay, well, this seems like a good thing, and I actually did my homework and watched the two episodes this week.
1: I'm very proud of you.
0: Thank you. Do I get
1: an A? I, I don't give out grades until the show is done. Well, you don't give me grades. I earn grades. That's true. That's true. Yes. Yeah. I, I don't want to. Yeah, that that's very true. Yeah. Let's not go down that road. Because then we just get into great inflation and the collapse of the American educational system and It's not that kind of Okay, look. I cheated,
0: okay? I cheated. I talked to someone else who saw the episode and they just told me what happened. So I'm sorry. But you should have checked it on one of those online sites that you can check plagiarism on.
1: I don't have a subscription. I can't afford it.
0: That's okay. It's $8 a month on Netflix. Ah. Yeah.
1: So do you want to talk about The Cage? Okay.
0: I loved The Cage. Did you really? It was – okay. So one of the things I thought was interesting was how, like, iconic the show is because the show – the episode seemed weird to me and I'm not really familiar with the original series. Yeah, it's different. Do you you want to explain the – do you know anything about the background of it or why? Do I know anything about the background of it? I
1: mean, come on. Who am I? I
0: forgot. There was one time, you know, I I was just, like, going to bed and Eric was there and I just said, oh, you know – Blah, 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 Star Trek. And for 20 minutes, you're like going on this minutiae of Star Trek. And just what I thought was the funniest part of that was you had this look in your eyes like it was unable to stop. And you just, you know, uh, like, like on TV when they have someone, you know, possessed and, you know, you could, they just, oh, I saw, you know, I was just in there trapped saying, help me. I'm trying to get. That's how you looked at that moment. No,
1: that's accurate. Yeah. That's exactly how I get when I talk about Star Trek. It's how
0: everybody gets with Star Trek.
1: I, I actually have a confession to make. Oh, the, the idea behind this show... Well, I mean, I, I do miss doing a podcast with you, my good Aww. friend, Richard. But uh, also, it's, it's part of my 12-step program, Star Trek Addiction.
0: Okay, which step is this? Uh,
1: this is step one. Oh. Uh-huh. Yeah.
0: That'll take a while, then.
1: A little bit. So, The Cage was the original pilot that was commissioned by NBC. Uh, it was produced by Desilu Studios. Which, oh. yeah! Not a lot of people know that.
0: That explains why there was that random bit in the middle where Lucy just like kind of just does a pratfall. Yeah, it yeah. didn't really seem to make it. I mean, it was she, she, funny. She, it was Lucy Ball. I mean, yeah, like, she
1: she just kind of she kind of sweeps her way out yeah. of the turbo lift, and yeah, like, it was nobody can notice me, and then she just falls. Yeah, and Jeffrey Hunter looks at her like, dun, dun. and then they just uh, <laughs> Right. So Gene Roddenberry had the idea, I believe in the 50s, uh to start. He had been a, a writer, a TV writer uh for a few years before Star Trek and uh basically he pitched this show to NBC as uh quote unquote Wagon Train to the Stars. <laughs> Why it's called Star Trek and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um kind of an adventure show, an action action adventure show set in space. You know that kind of thing. Had
0: there really been that much in the way of space shows at that point?
1: Not really. I mean, there was Lost in Space, of course. Yeah. Um In in England, of course, Doctor Who started three years before Star Trek, but that's a completely different sort of.
0: I am terrified of Doctor Who. By the way.
1: Yeah, you should be. I mean, I'm more
0: terrified of Doctor Who fans.
1: There's really no reason to watch the old Doctor Who. It's not very good. I'm sorry. I, I we're probably oh God. get attacked. It... No, no, um, no, 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 no. Let's start
0: trashing Doctor Who in every episode, so we'll get listeners. Well, I,
1: I, I mean, I have a, I have. Have a, a personal thing with Doctor Who because I, I was in a relationship with for for many years with a, a man who was a huge Doctor Who fan. So I, I I'm kind of scarred by that experience. So believe it or not, that's actually the plot of the original UK queer as folk. It is, yes. <laughs> that is true. Um so no, there had not been a whole lot of uh you know television science fiction before <clears throat> this, and, and the, you know, a big part of the reason is it's expensive to do it. Uh, you know, even though it's done on a 60s kind of scale and budget, I mean, you know, it's
0: still a 60s budget, yeah, exactly.
1: Um, so yeah, that was the original idea behind the show. Uh, NBC commissioned the pilot and it paid to produce it. So you had Jeffrey Hunter starring as uh, Captain Pike, which, hey, who's Captain Pike? Where's Captain Kirk? I'm sure you were asking yourself. No, I was just staring into his big, beautiful blue eyes. Yeah, he was a good-looking man, wasn't he? Eyes. Did you know that he died a few years after that? Really? He uh, had a brain hemorrhage, I believe, and he died when he was like 43. Oh my god! I believe he died in 1971. Wow. Yeah. It's terrible. Think about how different the entirety of Star Trek could have been if. NBC had picked up this pilot and went with Jeffrey Hunter. I
0: really wish they had gone with, by the way, the original pilot. Because one of the things I like to... Okay. It takes ever to get going. The first yeah. like, 15 minutes, I was bored out of my mind. It's, they're on the ship. They're just like, Captain, something's happened. Blah, blah,
1: blah. It's very sort of forbidden planet in a lot of ways. Yeah. It's also long. I mean, they wouldn't have aired this. It of was, course. I think, it's 62 minutes long or something yeah. like that. And, of course, in the 60s, television shows lasted longer than they do now. I mean, a, <laughs> an hour-long show now is like 32 minutes or whatever. But in the 50s, they were about 50 minutes long
0: and so a this slice of pizza cost a nickel and you yeah. have to
1: walk up pizza what's pizza <laughs> we all eat noodles um so it was about 62 minutes long so it, it probably would have been cut down you okay. know even then uh, yeah and it's got and you know it's got all these sort of weird things where they they, they break the time warp barrier yeah. and they play the entire theme song in the middle of the episode yeah it's like who thought this was a good idea i'm sure that would have been cut of course.
0: What I thought was interesting was how threatening almost the ship like looks from the inside. Like it was not. It was a. And I've played, you know, things like Dead Space and stuff like that. Not threatening in that sense, but just like. I don't like the philosophy that brings about this as the prevailing style of ship architecture. Right. And I find that very disturbing. We'll go into that
1: a little bit more. That's interesting. I mean, because I actually find. I, I like the. You know, they, they they kept with that. I mean, do you mean the inside, the outside? I just mean, what? the
0: inside, how it's... It's oh, it's almost like... The entire episode is very surrealist in a way. Yeah. Um, I think about... It reminds me a lot... Do you remember the Duck Dodgers in the 23rd and a half century episode of Looney Tunes? Yes. And they have all these weird contraptions that are just like creepy looking and... Make no logical sense and are just done for the sake of looking cool. Yeah, mostly there's no functionality in them. Um, for some reason that I found very threatened by. Um, I mean, I'm used to when I think of the enterprise, I think of the bridge from next Generation personally, and which you have this you know very clean eighties, you know, oh you know, happy pastel um,
1: colors and wood and you know light woods and that kind of thing.
0: Or then you have something like the bridge in the 2009 movie, which is everything, which is what an iPod looks like, you know. And that's very functional and very clean and elegant. The I can even deal with a dirty future like in Star Wars, but it almost seems something like Terry Gilliam or type of – or Lynchian almost. Like somewhere in that, the ship felt. I think
1: that's interesting. And I mean I think a lot of that also has to do with the, the color scheme that they yeah. went with because it's very stark. Oh, yeah. I and and it's like,
0: like – everything's empty. They're very – empty
1: yeah yeah and i you know i honestly may I, you know i don't know if that was a legitimate choice i mean it may just been that yeah. they were doing this on a, on a small budget um but like the yeah the, the the colors of the uh original starship enterprise are very iconic you know you've got those sort of reds and, and all that kind of stuff it's yeah. very red and very like vibrant and the the outfits that they wear is i right
0: yeah, right stand-up.
1: and I, I mean of course a large part of that as well as a color television was yeah. new so they wanted to sort of make it you know, worth your while to buy a color television and everything was crazy colors for a while. Um, so, yeah, the, the original color scheme in that first pilot is very subdued. And I think a lot of it has to do with with the fact that they were doing it, it not really with any sort of idea of maybe even being on the air in mind. I think this yeah. was just sort of a, a, a proof of concept sort of thing. But yeah, so
0: I went with that with the, and I'm just kind of like watching it. And then they land on the planet, and then from that point on, it's gorgeous. Like, it's one of those, they, they use one of those matte paintings as the background for this planet they're on, but it's a really beautiful one. Like, it's just a cool looking landscape. The design of this area. Well, let's go
1: into okay. that a little bit because they, the ones on Netflix are the, the, the remastered uh, original Star Trek episodes. So okay. they did redo some of the special effects like because what happened is they 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 remastered it for uh, high definition a few years ago and a lot of the effect shots like just looked really bad Uh, either either looked really bad or were in such poor condition that they couldn't use them and of course in in the 60s I don't want to get too far down a rabbit hole of remastering you know the, the original series versus the next generation but there, there are two sets of issues there with remastering them. It was a lot easier to remaster the original series because everything was done on film. All of the masters were done on film, okay. so you just kind of take the film and, 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 and you know, do a do a high def uh, rip of it, basically, uh, or scan, I guess they say so the the matte paintings and things like that they are all the original ones but they also have some additional shininess to them them, exactly well
0: i'm talking mostly on an art direction level because it's this very desolate deserty looking you know planet with all these really pretty rocks and these really interesting It just the entirety of the rest of the episode looks cool yeah and i don't know just interesting things start happening it's the oh should we get into the how yeah, should we no. be doing this? Should we be maybe get the plot of the episode? Know.
1: Yeah, we can do the plot of the episode. So uh, the basic plot of the episode is you've got uh, uh, Captain Pike and the, the Starship Enterprise and his crew uh, flying around in adventures. Uh, they get a distress call originating from a planet, uh, Talos four.
0: <laughs> you paid much more attention to this part than I did.
1: So they, they beam down to the planet and they find the uh, survivors of a crash. Uh, but it turns out that oh twist—they're not actually the survivors at all. They're a mental projection caused by the inhabitants of the planet, the Telogians. You were these sort of like interesting thing about the Telogians. I don't know if you picked up on this. <laughs> they were all played by women. Okay, but all the voices were dubbed in by men.
0: I noticed a odd dubbing in the thing. I didn't realize that they were women. Huh? Yeah,
1: yeah, they they did that to sort of make it of course alien, but maybe not you could notice that they... Well, yeah,
0: it was one of those, there was something off that I just kind of registered subconsciously. But Yeah, Yeah. so um, that's
1: interesting that 50 years later, it still works.
0: That is interesting.
1: Um, But, so anyway, so then, of course, they they, they capture Captain Pike and they take him underground and uh, the rest of the episode is various activities with the Enterprise crew trying to get Captain Pike back, you know, trying to... And, of course, they're fighting against people that have mental projections and they're like, well, maybe... Maybe we actually did blow the mountain up, but they're just making us think we didn't do it. And it turns out at the end of the episode that, yes, that is true, yeah. that we're actually doing that. And uh, But the bulk of the episode does take place with Captain Pike in this sort of zoo atmosphere. <clears throat> and it turns out that the Telogians are incredibly smart and don't really need to uh, talk. They all do things, you know, ESP. They have telepathy. They have, you know... Uh, and their
0: brains are, like, three times human size. Right. And
1: they're, they – <clears> when they talk, like, they have the, the, the pulsing veins in their brain and all that kind of stuff. Yeah,
0: there's one part where, like, one of them is, like, reading thoughts and you see this, light just – and it's obviously, like, a balloon or something yeah. like that. But it 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 was late enough at night that it was a really creepy effect.
1: Yeah, and I, I think that, you know, everybody that worked on that would be really happy that you said that because 50 oh, years later yeah. and it still works. Uh, And and again, the bulk of the episode takes place with Captain Pike down in this zoo um, and their attempts to get him to meet with uh, this woman. Uh, Turns out, of course, that at the end of the day, they don't succeed. Captain Pike escapes. And it turns out that she is one of the survivors, the only survivor of the crash that is horribly disfigured. And they're giving her the mental protection of beauty and so they kind of tell her, "Oh, you can come with us." And she decides to stay, and it's this very sort of bittersweet ending. Well, the and then thing they, they go they all do leave and because that's the end of the
0: episode. Because their brains are so developed, they can't do anything like physically, and so their society is essentially breaking down, and what they want why they want to have humans breed is because they need essentially a slave race. Um right. And it's this whole, you know, well, we're not gonna be slaves and a human, and you know, and all of that. What I thought was really interesting about the episode is how bleak it is because and it's all taking place again in this very drab, very creepy looking spaceship. They go to this planet that where the distress call isn't even real, it's a trap he's in this cage and you know he meets this woman who is just keeps trying and if they think wrong they get punishment which is basically this mental vision of, essentially, of hell yeah it's like love it's love and burning and you know they finally talk to this they finally are able to you know talk to this brain race and they you know the brain race explains why they want humanity and he says you know i can't uh, you know, I can't let humanity be slaves. And he's like, well, we realize that you as a species, you know, don't like captivity and, you know, we can't make you suffer, you know, so we're going to make the choice to basically as a race die out. And they even say, you know, well, humans could share your powers, you know, and they say, no, you know, because then you'd be in the situation we are. And it's just then they leave and they've basically, and this woman is under this delusion that she's beautiful and she's this they show uh, there's like a morphing thing of her the illusion fading and yeah she's it's she's depressed. she's horribly she's scarred old, and she's, she's kind of a hunchback yeah. yeah and so this is what this woman's living at and they give her a delusion of the Captain Pike to live with you know kind of and be married to and it's very dark like it creeped me out this entire episode I think that's why I wanted this episode to this series to be made especially at this point in time um
1: and it's also interesting because on on a a completely different level it's very bleak because captain pike as a character the the opening scenes of the show Mm. are him in his quarters with the doctor and they're drinking space martinis and they're talking about this this uh, mission that recently happened where some people died and, and things went wrong. And you know, Captain Pike is talking about retiring and yeah. leaving the space force or the space agency or whatever sure. they call it. Um, they hadn't gotten all the terminology of down, course. you know. And then you'll find that to be the case throughout most of the series, uh, you know. So that in itself is interesting because he's this sort of like conflicted, tortured soul who isn't really sure that he wants to do the job that he's. Doing, yeah, and throughout the entire episode, I think that that colors our perceptions of what's happening as well as the actual events. And sort of the episode is the events of the episode are not only a way for us to get introduced to the idea of the show, but also for Captain Pike to discover that he does still want to do this for a living, yeah, which is why in the next episode he's gone,
0: <laughs> yeah. What I also thought was very interesting in about it is it's essentially a critique of the hollow deck in the very first episode, uh, because they very specifically one of the you know things that people always talk about the hollow deck is well if they really if we had that technology in real life nothing would get done you know because we'd just be in you know pornos all the time um, or killing people yeah exactly that's um, that's
1: what everyone always says you'd either use it for for fucking or killing
0: yeah and one they explicitly say in the episode you know living in this world of delusions that's very bad you end up not doing anything real and i thought that that's interesting where that began and people talking again about the hollow the hollow deck is a refinement of these basic ideas done with technology rather than uh you know mental strength and you know there's criticism aren't new and the whole this is basically the plot of the matrix in a lot of ways too um,
1: yeah and is it is it right for her to stay there and 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 live in this fantasy world that she's young mm-hmm. and beautiful
0: exactly i mean, I mean captain sure pike
1: f- captain Pike seems to think so because he basically at the end of the episode he says, Okay, she wants to stay. are you going to make her whole again yeah, which is interesting because they're not making her whole they're they're they're- they're, they're making her think that she's whole
0: well that's you get much more of an but ex- what's the difference there's a much more of an existential theme to that then um and that wondering you know is it Right to live in delusions, or you know, is a happy delusion better than an honest, uh, terrible life,
1: right? And so, NBC did not order this pilot, yeah. And one of the reasons why they gave uh, this is a good, a a good, uh, uh, way to bring this into the uh, conversation. They said that this one of the criticisms of it was that it was too cerebral, (laughs) quite literal, in the yeah, quite literally. I can't say that they're wrong.
0: No, this is a, it, this was the kind of, I mean, this is, it does fit very much with 60 sci-fi, but more of the Bradbury Asimov type of sci-fi.
1: Yeah. Um, I, I will, we'll get to where no man has gone before the second pilot in, in a little while, but you know, re-watching these, these two pilots, I like the cage a lot more. Yeah. And just based on the pilots alone, I can see a lot more potential in the, star trek of the cage than i can in the star trek of where no man has gone before
0: which is interesting because of course the star trek of where no man has gone before has lasted 50 years and you know how how much money does anyone involved with star trek have you know like it's it's that was the successful one
1: which tells me that i was right not to take that job as a tv executive in 1965
0: well that yeah it was a very good thing for you but you would have gotten health insurance did they have health insurance in the 60s? Yeah, but you
1: know, I mean, things cost $3. That's true. You went to have your lung taken out, and he was like, yeah, give me a horse. I mean, it was that kind of thing. Okay. So,
0: this was also in Ohio. Correct. Um, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. And I think the fact that there, what I thought was interesting is how much less of a focus on character there is. There is Captain Pike, there is, you know, Ivanova, and there's, you know, the new little yeoman lady type.
1: Well, let's... No, let's talk about... And the about, doctor who sort of has a role and then disappears for, like, most of it. Well, let's talk about number one, because she also was a criticism that NBC had of the episode as well, and that's why she's not in the show. It's interesting. They because- didn't want... The reason, the reason that NBC gave as to... One of the reasons that they gave why they didn't pick the pilot up was, again, it was too cerebral, but number two is that they didn't want a woman on the bridge. They didn't have a problem with having a woman on the bridge. Yeah. They had a problem with having a woman on the bridge who was as unemotional and logical as her.
0: Yeah, she's kind of... Uh, yeah, she's more of the Spock character than Spock is. Yes,
1: and Leonard Nimoy has even said that after the second pilot was picked up and he was the only actor to make it into that second pilot, uh, because none of the other actors in the first pilot got option to go into the second pilot, yeah. that he actually picked up on... Uh, a lot of the sort of unemotion uh of the number one character into his reading and acting of Spock, and so Spock in effect became and the and the whole Vulcan species became yeah. this logical unemotional race. Because Major Barrett got fired from Star Trek. Yeah. It's 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 this kind of weird stuff. Were they married at the time? They were not, no. Okay, because I was gonna say,
0: how do you fire the creator's wife? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, they didn't okay. get married until later.
1: But I, I, I thought it was really She's a really interesting character, and I think, you know, it, it, it's interesting because it, it even at this very, very early nascent stage where the show has not fully developed and hasn't fully found itself, it really shows you that they had an idea of what they wanted to do in critiquing the modern. Now we're talking contemporary. 50 years. Contemporary. Yes. Thank you. Contemporary social problems or social mores. Because the, 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 the gender politics it, of the, of the cage are straight out of 1966.
0: They're fucked. There's this, basically at the, um, yeah, at the beginning of the episode, uh, he meets the, you know, this, woman who is this, uh she's based, what? what is her role? The yeoman. She, or whatever.
1: Yeoman she's, basically what is, is kind of a space secretary. I, I mean, that's, in,
0: I, I just mentally put temper in turn every time it, it, I, uh
1: in, in, in the original, they don't have, they don't really have yeoman in any of the other, any of the other series. Yeah. Uh, basically yeoman are, are space secretaries. They're all okay. women, young women that, come onto the bridge and yeah. hand Captain Kirk a pad and he signs something and they walk yeah. away and they flirt. I mean, that's basically what a yeoman is.
0: And in, and in the episode, he comes in and she's like, this is the new yeoman. He's like, I want my report up by 530 or something. And she gives it to him, you know. and
1: But, that's, but that tells you, I mean, that tells yeah. you where Gene Roddenberry was, right? Because in his first pilot, he had, number one, a woman, a strong, unemotional, logical woman on the bridge, second in command. When the captain goes down on a land, in a landing party, she's in control of the entire ship. In in the series that got picked up as it got a, as constructed, you have yeomen who are basically space secretaries, mm-hmm. and you have Uhura who is basically a space telephone operator. Yeah. Now, I think that's interesting. Well, I
0: didn't think that. See, there was a bit more to the exchange when he tells her to stay on the ship, you know, when he's first going down to the planet, because she very obviously, you know, wants to help out. And when he tells you, you know, no, you're staying on this, I got a very strong sense of, you know, you're the, I'm the man, I go out, you know, you're the woman, you man the house, you know.
1: Yeah, there's some of that too. Which,
0: Devin, and then there is a subplot where she basically then, when Pike is captured, she goes down and she's manning this gun to, uh, you know, blow up the, the complex or whatever. And, you know, she has this very... Her hairstyle is what my mom's hairstyle was at that age Yeah, inter- she's got 16th- sort of that
1: helmet hair. Yeah! Like, yeah. it's just
0: very—so it's very funny for me to watch that, you know, because, again, she looks like my mom when she was, you know, 20, you know. But
1: I think it's but. interesting, too, because they don't sexualize her at all. No. I mean, her clothing is not sexualized. The way that she makes herself up is not sexualized. I mean, there's nothing about this character that is sexual in any way. And it's funny Except for I, the fact yeah. that she is a woman.
0: And I've been comparing her to, uh, you know, Ivanova from Babylon 5 and um, Zoe from Firefly because they are – they both have the same basic role where they are the, they're the right hand and, you know, they are a woman and it's, it is – but I think obviously Ivanova's and Zoe's characters are much more interesting from a gender politics point of view because they are fully feminine. Uh, right. Zoe more so than Ivanova, I would say, just because that's the interest of Firefly more than Babylon 5. But, um, but it's there... interesting how a woman in charge in the 60s has to be completely as devoid of femininity as possible.
1: Right, exactly. And that's a good point. And I think that that's a big reason why I say that you know this episode in particular really brings those gender politics of 1966 into the 23rd century, because women in positions of power in 1960s America could not be feminine and in charge. They, they did have to basically act like men. You know,
0: I also love the part later in the episode where, um, so you have this blonde woman who is, um, the main kind of, she's the one on the planet, the deformed one we were talking about. Um, and you have the, you have the yeoman and you have number one and the yeoman's redhead and the, yeah, number one is has brunette hair, right. and they basically say, "Which one of these do you want to be your bride?" Here are their breeding qualities, you know, and you know, the omen is very pretty, but you know, number one is very smart, and you know, and it, I, and, and while the characters recognize that there's something off about this, it's not the sense of off that we see with it. They see more of ice. I think talking about anybody in terms of breeding qualities is really disturbing to me. It they weren't. It was more of evidence of the fact that they are – this is a weird alien race and they have these kooky ideas rather than this is a race who sees women as uteri. Uteri? uteruses, Uteri. Uteri. And that's it. And that – I don't know. They didn't seem to get as much of the resonances that we – they were very different resonances than we would have today.
1: Right. Right. I
0: thought that was very interesting and –
1: yeah. And you know, and also, I mean, speaking of of, of sexualization of women, I mean, we can't forget the Orion slave girl scene. That is the first. The Orion slave girls will come up later on. Okay. Uh, did you forget this? Yes. The the green woman dancing.
0: Oh my God! What, oh, I love
1: the- in Arabia in space Arabia.
0: <laughs> I I did know did notice that when they give the captain his fondest dream, he's just hanging out with a bunch of dudes, and then the lady came. But <laughs> right. So um, that's okay.
1: that's. I mean, I think that says it right there. I mean, they they they, and there's even uh, one of the characters in this in this fantasy has a line um, where he talks about the Orion slave girls, and you know to get into the whole Orion yeah Orion thing, the Orions are a race uh, in the original Star Trek, um, and the women are slaves. Okay, Orion slave okay, girl. I didn't,
0: I didn't take any more resonances of that than just a general Arabian Nights fantasy. And right? Just, no, they're,
1: it's actually a okay. species. Yeah. Uh, which doesn't ever really. I thought she was, down, you know, working
0: as you know a dancer in order to pay for college or something like that. Or you know, she's like,
1: green, Richard.
0: Uh, uh, people of different races can go to college. You know, it it doesn't depend on the color of your skin, but the content of your character.
1: Okay, well, there one of the one of the men in this fantasy actually has the line, uh, you know, something like, "Can you believe they actually like being taken advantage of?" <laughs> I mean, I think that says it all right there. I think there's that idea that women are there to be taken advantage of, and they like the Orion Slave Girls because they actually like being taken advantage of. So they don't feel creepy about it. Well,
0: there's no—it's 100% consensual. You don't have to have any even worry about worrying about guilt.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: There was another thing I remember though where when they are talking about, you know, number one's breeding qualities, they do specifically say something like, you know, when I can read her thoughts. She's thought of you or she's fond of you or something like that. They very explicitly, you know I, – I, I figured they would be setting up if there was going to be a recurring thing that he would have a love triangle between the yeoman and number one.
1: It could be, yeah, that, sure. It, it
0: seemed like that would be an element of the series.
1: I mean maybe um... – you know, it, it may be in a very abstract kind of way. They even uh, call
0: it back because at the end the omen says, you know, oh, which one would, of us would you have picked? And, you know, she's, she's immediately, you know... Told to be quiet. But... I, I
1: I get the sense that it could have been done on a more character-based level, but yeah. I think on, a, on, a, on an explicit sort of, like, story arc level, probably not. No, just because no. Because that would kind be just of thing s- was not done in television in the 60s. It, it would more but just yeah. be he
0: would flirt with uh, both of them, and occasionally there would be an episode where the plot was related to one of them being jealous of the other or, you know, something along those lines. Or we'd have to choose which one to save or something like that. Yeah, There, yeah. there would be plenty of things they could do without resolving that.
1: All right, well, do we have anything else to say about the cage? Just so- that
0: I love the fact that when he's in the zoo, they're showing all these different alien races and there's a guy in a gorilla suit and a guy in a bird suit. And it's shot with all these weird camera angles and these scary sound effects. So it's a very creepy scene, again, in context, but it's also hilarious. I mean, I like, the, I like that the, the, that episode is both 100% campy and 100% serious. Yeah, It manages yeah. to do both.
1: And that's something that you'll find throughout all the original Star Good, Trek. because and I like that, too. And that's why people yeah. like the show so much and why it's still incredibly entertaining almost yeah. 50 years later. All right, so let's move on to Where No Man Has Gone Before, which is the second pilot uh, of Star Trek. And we'll sort of... I think there's less to talk about with this yeah. episode.
0: I don't have that much to say other than I found it kind of boring and I liked... Uh, and... Babylon five did the same exact episode first. Yeah. So, um, I, I
1: think a lot of the meat in this will be comparing, comparing the two pilots. Yeah. So let's just give a quick overview of what exactly happened. So, so the second pilot was, was basically NBC came back and, and I, I believe, uh, they got, uh, uh, Lucille ball on their side as well. Okay. And she basically was like, yeah, I like the show. Give them a second pilot, you know, cause it was being produced by her studio. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so so NBC did give them a second, a second shot at this And Jeffrey Hunter Does that happen often? No I, Well, no, not really I mean, I, I, kind of 50-50 I, I mean, I figure
0: when it does It's a complete retool it, like this or, Yeah It's because yeah. it's, the, the, these For the most part, the two pilots All they share is It's a space show Right. So, you can go extremely broad with
1: that. Well, Jeffrey Hunter had the option to stay on. They actually didn't fire him. He, he decided not to do it. Okay. So, uh, they, they eventually hired William Shatner to come on. Um, and, uh, you know, the rest is yes. history, of course. Um, and uh, the doctor is the same. Uh, number one is gone. Spock is still there.
0: But he's a very different spot.
1: Well, that's the interesting thing. That he's I, not giving PowerPoints this time. Right. Well, that's it. Right. So in where no man has gone before, he's basically taken on the number one role of being very unemotional, very logical. Um, I don't know if you notice in the cage, but he actually smiles and, and has emotions, which yeah. very strange. I mean, they, they did not sort of fully flesh out that yet.
0: Yeah, it seemed like all they had for Spock in the pilot was he's an alienish thing.
1: And if you think about it in terms of that sort of like, yeah, you know, mid-century science fiction where you sort of had the idea of Martians and that kind yeah. of thing, that's basically what he is. I, I I you know, that's one of the interesting things about the original Star Trek is mm-hmm. that they pretty much quickly codify the idea of having like separate species standing in for certain aspects of human behavior. Yeah. Um which you know, I'm sure had been done before, but Maybe not to that degree, or not as codified as as Star Trek eventually decided to do. Yeah, especially not to this degree in television. So Spock being sort of the first alien that that we see in both the Cage and where no man has gone before, because of course the Cage was never broadcast. So so get that out of your mind totally. You know, uh, where no man has gone before was not even the first episode broadcast. So this is sort of a weird thing that we're doing, but I decided that it would be interesting to talk about the two pilots. The cage was not broadcast on television until 1988. Okay. So, uh, so basically you have, um, all new characters except for Spock. Uh, Uhura is not in this episode. They had not cast her character yet. Uh, Scotty is in the episode. So he, he sticks with the show. Uh, Sulu is in the episode as well, but he's sort of like the, the head mathematician or something. He's not the helmsman. Um, and Chekhov doesn't come in until the second season. Yeah. And also the doctor gets replaced. And in the, in when they pick up the show and of course, you know, um, uh, McCoy. Uh, uh, what, McCoy, yeah. McCoy bones. Um, I was trying to remember the actor's name and it's escaping me at the moment. Yeah. Um, Montgomery. Is that
0: uh Montgomery? Monty cliff?
1: No, that's not right. Anyway, uh, I'm losing my star Trek cred already. I can't oh, no. play bones. <laughs> I feel so bad.
0: Quick, quick, quick. Where's the Tribble?
1: It's a type of... Oh my god, he doesn't know! ...soft drink that people in the 23rd century enjoy that tastes like... (sighs) But... So, this is a much more boring thing. Um. (sighs) Oh. Yeah, so basically what happens is they're leaving the galaxy, which isn't could. even really something that they ever do again because it would take a really long time. I figured time. most
0: of these is on a galactic scale if that, you know, it, cause it's big enough to that. You can, you know, Well,
1: just, a, a funny story yeah. about this is that one, one of the, I think one of the writers on the show or somebody basically said to Roddenberry, like it really shouldn't be that they're leaving the galaxy because that would take a really long time, but he did it anyway. So oh,
0: that, we know this now because we have the internet, you know, and we're overthinking this. You know, back in the day, if you're just watching the show, you're not even going to think about that. You know, you hear leaving the galaxy and you just think adventure.
1: Probably. That's all yeah. the
0: point of it. Exactly. These so, things were not discussed in minutia.
1: They leave the galaxy. They're looking for the SS Valiant. They find its data recorder and their tapes are destroyed. I mean, it's <laughs> kind of really funny kind of stuff. Um, you've got these great scenes on the bridge of Spock leaning over a viewfinder and (laughs) you know going through vacation photos or whatever the fuck he's doing (laughs) um and then the the ship is leaving the galaxy and there's lightning and things get destroyed and caught on fire and uh gary marsh gary mitchell uh gets knocked out and when he wakes up he has tinfoil eyes and he's crazy i have to say up till the
0: tinfoil eyes and he's crazy i had no idea what was going on in that episode either because it was just like 15 minutes of techno babble.
1: It was really weird. It like was it was really it boring. Was, yeah, it was not I, I can see why they didn't air it first. Because, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um so actually after that how ha- oh, there's a there's a psychiatrist ship psychiatrist on the episode which is also a female character. Um you know they they just they, Gar- Gary Mitchell's going crazy and he's deciding to be evil and you know he's developing telekinesis and it's getting be-
0: stronger and stronger. Right, and what's over he going time. to become? And he wants to become god. And he can read really
1: fast. Whoa, <laughs> he can read really fast, and he can get himself a glass of water from across the room. Yeah,
0: there's a scene where he's like using the overhead projector and like switching pages <laughs> and like you know reading a book. and He's
1: like, oh my god, <laughs> this is the this is what they thought that Kindles would be like. <laughs>
0: um, Which is funny because Kindle actually changes pages slower.
1: That's true. Uh, oh, and he can also shoot lightning at people. So that that is legitimately kind of scary. Yeah. So, for whatever reason, because it's never really explained, <laughs> uh, can you tell that I don't really like this episode either? Oh, good. Um, they they decide that they either have to kill him or maroon him on a planet um, because Spock says so. Well,
0: yeah. It's basically they, they, they very explicitly make a connection between psychic power and evil. Like, you can't – they basically say that he's going to evolve – so fast that humanity is just going to be ants to him and in his way and stuff like that. And there are points like through the episode where he temporarily loses his power and he just becomes like nice guy friend and what am I doing? And then he gets it back and he's like, I'm going to kill you all. And
1: and I mean, to be fair, later on he does choke somebody to death with the power of telekinesis. So there is that. I mean, Spock was correct. Oh yeah. Let's not forget that. Spock was right. Um, So the engines are burned out so they go to the Delta Vega mining thing and it's this huge... A mining uh, enterprise on a planet that's completely automated, and who knows how that happens? And- I was just
0: thinking that if they made a you know Nintendo game of it, they could do like a level with that where
1: you yeah. run the machines, and the ore ship only comes once every twenty years, uh, so they're going to leave him there. Um, and in the meantime, and yeah, that's a
0: great idea. By the way, let's give a, a supremely powerful being access to a planet with industrial mining equipment.
1: But Richard, there's no were, way
0: he's gonna make, you know, he'll be stuck on that planet for more than 10 minutes. He's gonna just telekinesis himself a starship and then just destroy everything. But
1: Richard, if he tried to get out, and he did, they wired up the blow up button in 10 minutes. <laughs> For what I don't know how that works. Kirk is just like, "Hey, can you rig a self destruct?" And the guy is like, and he points like the most
0: obvious button, and then he's like, "I'll make this it." I want
1: to know what that was before. (laughs) Like, was that the ice cream machine? I was gonna say it's candy. Yeah, like that's that's the candy button. And you have some poor little robot. It's
0: just gonna like crawl up and be like, "I would like some robot candy, please." And he presses the button, and and everything explodes.
1: And he's like, "Holy shit!" And. He's a robot, so he's still alive, and now he just has a head, and he can't move. And he's like that for eternity. There's actually a subplot in Dragon Quest Seven about that. There are robots in Dragon Quest Seven. It's a really good game. Huh.
0: Um, but yeah, a- a- and he takes this psychiatrist, and he like hypnotizes her and gives her tinfoil eyes. And now they're going to become Adam and Eve and gods together. It's weird how both, by the way, have a... Adam and Eve's theme to them
1: I was thinking that too they really do I mean of course in in the cage It's Captain Pike and uh, what's her name Uh, And in this one it's Blondie Blondie. And in Gary Mitchell and and Blondie And Blondie too (laughs) let's say Um, Yeah and so at the very end of the episode Kirk is stalking around with a a a Phaser rifle And, And let's just go out right now This is going to be a recurring problem I have Throughout Star Trek Phaser rifles are stupid Okay. And they are stupid for this reason, and I will tell you exactly why phaser rifles are stupid. It's not the one that looks like a DDT sprayer, That's because that's, that's a pretty stupid reason to hate phasers. That, that is the one. No. Oh. <laughs> the, the reason why phaser rifles are stupid is because you do not need a longer barrel to make a more powerful energy beam. <laughs> that's it right there. Like, yeah. length of barrel in a projectile weapon is proportional... To the velocity that you're going to get from the thing and more damage, it'll do more damage. A handgun doesn't do as much damage as a shotgun. Not true for energy weapons. Makes no sense. I know, especially
0: in a spaceship scenario where weight is a very big issue. Yeah, and just simply just carrying it on your person,
1: you know. I mean, I understand why. Like from a from a production point of view, it looks cool, and everyone's like rifle. But it's dumb. It's just dumb. Wow. And they keep doing it. They do it in the next generation. I think they probably do it in Deep Space Nine. They do it in the movies. They do it in Voyager. Well, I remember they the- probably even do it in Enterprise. And I'm saying do it a lot and I sound really weird right now, but it just really bothers me. And this is going to be a feature of this show where something stupid in Star Trek, I finally have an opportunity to let people know exactly how stupid I think it is. And phaser rifles are one of them. I am done.
0: This is part of the reason I moved out after two years. Um, okay, well, I'm very glad to have received the brunt of that.
1: I'm very sorry I made all of this... Phaser pulse rifle Did I Was that scary I didn't want that to be scary It
0: was just very complete
1: Okay Um So anyway So at the very end of the episode It's Kirk stalking around With a phaser rifle uh, and it ends in a fist fight and why suddenly they have to fist fight. I don't know. What I uh, thought was
0: interesting is that it has, it has all the iconic Kirk elements. He screams and hams it up. He has a fist fight and his shirt gets torn. His shirt gets I'm ripped. like, okay, first pilot and they've
1: nailed him. Well, that's, you know, I almost he wonder. He didn't sleep with a blue lady, but that was it. You know, because honestly, it, it, it's a boring episode yeah. for much of it. Not a lot happens. Gary Mitchell is like wallpaper. I mean, I don't know what they were thinking with this character. Uh but it's it, it does have some of those cerebral elements to it about, you know, talking about what makes a man, you know, how do we relate to our fellow humans, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um But it ends in a fist fight. And yeah. so NBC was happy because there was some action. And 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 there there's there's some part of me that suspects that. Gene Roddenberry just sort of gave them this episode and ended it with a fist fight because the fist fight was the last thing that they were going to remember. Yeah. And they go, yes, we will order this because I remember a fist fight (laughs) and fist fights are ratings.
0: No, that's true. I mean, there are a few more action sequences in there.
1: Um, I, I like the way that Kirk is introduced in this episode. Um, I, I think it it, it 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 doesn't get a lot of credit And it's one of the good It's one of the only good things That I think this episode does And the only one of the things That it does well uh, Because you see Kirk And he's very much a womanizer Which is also introduced In this episode yeah. Kirk <laughs> as womanizer Um he's seen as much more hands-on than captain pike as jeffrey hunter's character is yeah. you know uh, jeffrey hunter's character was much more of a um uh, kind of a father figure in a lot of ways and and i don't sense. think captain kirk was portrayed as that he's portrayed as more of that sort of you know horatio yeah. kind of swashbuckling you know action hero um but he also has this really calculating uh really logical side which he hides and he doesn't let it out and it's kind of disarming because what's he doing is the first time that we ever see captain kirk on screen what's he doing
0: i don't really remember he's playing
1: chess oh yes with spock okay this is not a dumb man
0: no, and Spock specifically. I now that you're saying, it, I remember Spock specifically says that you know compliments his game or something like that, or says that he's you know finding it a challenge or something like that. Right,
1: right. So I think that's a really interesting introduction to the character. Yeah, um, and I think that's something that's overlooked, honestly. You know, people, I overlooked people, it. yeah, exactly. You overlooked it, and you're smart. Well, I, well, guess.
0: I, well th- ironically enough, I hate chess.
1: Um, it's three D it's uh, it's three dimensional chess. It's not regular chess. It's futuristic chess. <laughs> and this is something you'll see throughout the series where people are playing 3d chess. Okay. I don't know what the rules are. I know people have come up. I rules. was about to say, I'm sure the internet knows you it. can buy 3d chess sets. I don't know how it works, but you know, I, I kind of know how to play regular chess, but I don't find it interesting. So I don't do it.
0: It's one of those games where if you're bad at it, you can't like do the interesting stuff. And correct, you know once you get very good there's i mean dozens and hundreds and millions of books have been written about chess you know, yeah, it would, yeah it's a deep game, but. yeah,
1: yeah, uh some other things that I think are interesting um just the colors of the sets. You know, we talked, we touched on this a little bit earlier about, uh, you know, the, 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 the sets in the original pilot, the cage, you know, being very stark. And, and, and of course in, in where no man has gone before they're they're suddenly vibrantly colored. I mean, it's like fuchsia red and, and orange and all over the place. And it's crazy. I mean, you know, um, and I, I think that's, just because they were making it for color television at that point, but I mean, they you know they made the cage for color television as well, but I think that was filmed in in, in late '65, and so by the time they commissioned the next pilot, and you know color television is sort of becoming a thing, and it was going to be no, a it's tel- almost garish, yeah, yeah.
0: So, which I have to wonder how much of that was intentional and how much was just learning to dress sets for color because
1: well, I, I mean, know
0: t- you have t- if you look at black and white, you know, sets that were intended for black and white, the colors are very weird because they. Use bizarre combinations that just look good as shades of gray
1: i I would say that in general i I would say that it's probably more the f- the former they okay. just wanted those garish colors because they had had color yeah that color movies for 30, okay. you know, thirty forty years at this point, so they knew how to do it okay um it's also very racially diverse, if you notice. I mean, there's there's yeah. uh, two, there's two black guys on the bridge at one point. There's Sulu, who's Asian. Uh, there's a couple women on the bridge. I mean, this was something that you didn't really see on television. Yeah, in, this was in, in the, the mid '60s.
0: What the average workplace was. Yeah,
1: and it's it's interesting uh, to see that really early in the in the show. I mean, in the original show, you had a woman in, in a second in command, and in, in the second show, you had racially and uh, you know, gender-diverse cast, which I yeah. find interesting. I mean, I, you know, and it's just something that I don't think gets a lot of... It doesn't get a lot of notice. I mean, everyone talks, of course, about Uhura and talks yeah. about the first interracial kiss that comes up later on. Um, you know, it talks about those kind of things. And even, but, you know,
0: similar things as races that don't exist in real life, like yeah. the Falcons, you know, being as a member. But,
1: but I think it's just little things like that that don't really get commented on. Just the fact that yeah. there are non-speaking people on the bridge that are not white in 1966, it just kind of goes to show that Roddenberry didn't just talk the talk. He was yeah. walking the walk. No, that's
0: a very, that very specifically says who he was, what he thought the vi- the future looked like, you know? Yeah. And well, you know, nowadays in 2012 is, is infinitely more progressive than, you know, we were then the fact that that, that was much more of a step than what was usually around.
1: Absolutely. Uh, and just a couple things for you to keep, take away from this episode, because this, this is, it's not quite the original series yet, but it's, it's getting there. It's almost formed. You're, you're going to get there soon. Um, just keep in, keep an eye on things like star dates. You have the first appearance of star dates in this episode. Oh, yes. Uh, that's going to become important. The idea log the, the captain's log. That's yeah. something that continues <laughs> throughout the entire franchise. Now that
0: was, sorry, not in the cage, correct?
1: That was not. No. Okay. Um, and you also have, uh, the opening narration, of course, which is there now and something that comes up. This is like a classic original series thing. Spock and Kirk and later McCoy have a little moment on the bridge at the end of most episodes. Okay. And they sort of. Bah, bah, bah. It's the end of the show. We're summing it up, and we're having a little fun exchange about the adventure we just had. The, the two minutes that you can skip if you pressed for time, but right, <laughs> kind of- right, you can skip the opening credits. But why would you want to? Because that music is so awesome, yeah. and you've got the little capper at the end. <laughs> um, and actually, no, I'm going to disagree with you. If you want to, sk- if you're pressed for time, just don't watch it because. That's one of the reasons why the original series is loved by so many people is those little things, those little moments at the end of the episode where you've got Kirk and Spock and McCoy interacting. Yeah. And that those are the real, like, me- meaty well, the parts sh- of the, the show. show. I mean,
0: the structure of the show, then, is pretty much in place. I would least, say so, yeah. because it always yeah. begins with the captain's log. It has one at a couple points in the middle to just kind of summarize and bring to the next thing and has yep. that bridge moment.
1: Yep, yep. So...
0: But it's funny because I mean I joked about Babylon Five, but there is an episode that is essentially the same exact plot. An old friend of somebody's uh, comes onto the ship, and he has psychic powers. And
1: uh, which in Babylon Five is not that unusual. Yes,
0: of course, and 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 they're growing stronger. In in the Babylon Five episode, instead of the psychiatrist, it's the ship's resident telepath. Uh, who is dealing with that, and I, um, as he grows stronger, yes, the threat becomes more. Uh, it, it, he becomes more threatening of a figure, and they're wondering how to, you know, what to do with it. But at the end of the Babylon Five episode, they let him complete the evolution, yes. which is completely says the difference between the two shows. I mean, Babylon Five makes it very clear throughout that there is a higher plane of existence, and that and what, what, the ultimate goal of all life is to reach that.
1: I. And this and this brings up a, a, another uh, a rat hole that we could go down about energy beings in science fiction. Yes. But that that's, I hate energy beings. That's, we both hate them. They're yes. stupid. There's no reason why evolution would end in energy beings. Evolution doesn't work like that. That's not how evolution works as but, a theory. Yeah. But we could go down that. We'll talk about that later. But
0: the point is the, the Star Trek episode very specifically says that what a god is is a physical being who has achieved some kind of power that is so much greater than other beings and that that's a bad thing yes and that's a very interesting philosophy to be in your show with. and
1: i think that that's that's pretty accurate as star trek goes i mean yeah. it, it, power is not seen as something good in the federation yeah it um, can't be used for good even
0: because you get a god who is benevolent you have someone with that kind of powers who's using for benevolence that's that's an amazing thing. You, right. You imagine all this if you can create life and you're creating it for good, you know. Um,
1: but that's the idea yeah. of Star Trek, even at this early stage is, you know, even though the the nuts and bolts of it are not really worked out and, and we don't know what kind of society these people live in and uh, what kind of government they have and, and, and why they're even out here really exploring and, and, and doing these things. But, you know, the idea of the show is that we're doing this for pure knowledge. We're doing this because we want to know things. We're not doing this because we're trying to get more power. We're not doing this for money. We're not doing this for, for fame. Um, makes
0: perfect sense for a show from the sixties, which was a decade that was about, you know, the ones in power are abusing it. So therefore, I mean, power was very much seen as a bad thing in the sixties.
1: And it's something that I think is, you know, that's why people respond to, Star Trek in particular, I think so yeah. much even now is it's, it's a very optimistic show. Yeah. Um, there are other reasons why the show is so great and we'll get into those as in further episodes as, as we see things develop and characters develop yeah. and, you know, ideas, uh, get more defined, but that is one of the reasons why people love the show so much and love this, love the whole you know franchise so much is that reason.
0: All right. Well, so uh, what do we have for next week?
1: Next week, yes, that's a good. That's exactly what I was about to say. What we're having next week, next uh, time on Trek Trek. I don't know. Actually, I I kind of like doing two episodes. I I think it works well. I mean, okay. I don't know. We'll, we'll 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 feel it out and we'll see. But um, I I think that's going to give us a little bit of breathing room if we have a lot to say about one episode and we find we're talking for an hour, we can just. Leave the second episode for next week. If we find that we're looking at each other and grunting, we can move on to the next episode. Mm-hmm. So next week, we will definitely do the man trap, mm-hmm. which I'll say right now, not a great episode. Mm-hmm. But just power through it. You're mm-hmm. get, you're get, you'll get to the good stuff. I'm like, I'm going to
0: uh, get you like this. It's fun. <laughs> You're like, you're like
1: that you're like that unicorn gorilla on talos <laughs> <laughs> what would that be what it would like gorilla corn gorilla oh my god U- gorilla uni- corn gorilla? Is like, it's, the, it's like it's
0: like I, I was about to describe a ear of corn that was a gorilla but it was gonna sound like a penis so i'm just not gonna do
1: yeah let's no, not go there uh so and then the other one is is charlie x Oh, which is also not a great episode.
0: So you, you're, we're watching the crap ones at the beginning. Here's a oh new, well. Here's uh, a new project that I'm excited about, and I'm watching four shit
1: episodes in a row. Well, I mean, you you could say that. Uh, I I I could point out that we still have not we we the third season of the original series is not its finest. <laughs> oh uh, God! And if we we continue this insane project throughout the next generation and well, deep space nine, we will get to the, uh, the nadir of the franchise with Voyager and enterprise. So you have that to look forward to in 2021. How old or will
0: that be? That's what nine years from now, something like I'll that. I'll be 38. I, yeah. I mean, you know <laughs> when I, when you turn, Oh my God, you'll be 40. Yeah. I think this is a very depressing tangent. (laughs) I think we need to figure out a uh, thing to end this with.
1: So if you want to follow along with us, watch those two episodes, The Man Trap and Charlie X. Uh, We'll definitely talk about The Man Trap. We'll possibly talk about Charlie X. We'll see how that goes. And yeah, that's it. Um, Hopefully next episode we'll have a name for the show. We may not. I don't know. But write in. And you can do that at I don't know. We don't have an email address. Oh, well, because we don't know what our email would be. We'll have one later. Yeah. If you, want, I, you know, if you have any comments about the show, I guess you can email me, Eric at oncamazots.com. That's my email address. And uh,
0: I'm Richard at secondquest.vg. Yeah,
1: that still exists. Yeah. So you can email us there. If you have any hate mail, um, you want to send us, uh, viruses, saucy photos, scat porn is fine. Not that saucy yeah don't don't send that ooh saucy, saucy. Ew, God jeez oh, no, oh, no. and
0: after the gorilla cord and everything
1: all right well, uh so we'll we'll see you next week. We ended our first episode on a poop, joke. we did all right, <laughs> bye, guys. <laughs>